We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. We got Lombardi in the USA and one and all this week joining me today. Uh, Tyler, I'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing so well, man. It is so nice to start my week with a win because, man, losses really, really <laughs> suck. And I hate starting my week with a loss. So getting a win from this team feels so, so good. I'm super pumped. How are you, Steven? I'm doing great, man. We just was uh, out to dinner celebrating my mother-in-law's birthday. So I uh, had a nice birthday dinner and was driving like a maniac to get back here on time. But <laughs> uh, doing great, man. And uh, I can definitely vouch for like how annoying it is to start, you know, the week oh. with a loss, <laughs> which we can definitely talk about if you guys want to. Um, but here to talk about the Chargers for sure. Alex, you're actually 2-0 this week with the Chargers and the Eagles. So how are you doing today, man? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, no, I did not expect the Eagles to blow the Falcons out. Uh, and the Chargers won, flipping back and forth between those games at the same time. So that was a fun viewing experience. But uh, yeah, so uh, separate to this, I did promise the people of Twitter uh, that if Novak oh. Djokovic did lose the U.S. Open, I would eat oh. a shoe. Um, and prepared right here for me, I do have this Puma shoe that I will now eat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what on earth? What is happening right now? <laughs> well, Alex is a man of his word, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'll give go. you credit, man. I really didn't think you would do it. You said you'd take a turd on that one field you never did or do a handstand <laughs> or something. So I now you're eating your shoe. I, I appreciate your commitment to this. Very uh-huh. good. Very there good. You're go. a man of your word, just like Brennan Staley has been with this team. Oh, yeah. Now we get some references. Okay, you can take the shot out of your mouth, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. funny 10 minutes ago. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, we got lots to talk about, lots to break down uh, from the Chargers win over the Washington football team. Shout out to anyone watching that was at the game. Like, it yeah, was man. really incredible the amount of Chargers fans were in the stands wearing the powder blue. Uh, so, if you were there, like, like, good on you. Like, it was amazing. I know there was a bunch of people who traveled uh, from – the diehard bull club who were there so 
Um, great stuff there. So let, let's dive right into the takeaways. Uh, you know, just kind of big picture today uh, and potentially long term that you guys want to talk about. Um, Alex, what is what was kind of your biggest takeaway from uh, the Chargers victory over the Washington football team? Uh, biggest takeaway is I think they looked a lot cleaner than I thought they would. You know, I think a lot of people will look at like a 20 to 16 score line and it's kind of what I predicted, generally speaking, like a low scoring game. But truly, it just felt like, uh, particularly in the second half, it, uh, it just looked like really clean football. Uh, the offensive line looked really good, um, much better than I thought it would. You know, from week one, you had Brian Balaga, you know, kind of locking up Chase Young. And then Storm Norton comes in and locks up Chase Young, which I'm sure we'll get to later. Um, yeah. And, you know, there were a couple things that happened throughout the game where it was far from a perfect game in terms of, you know, the number of guys that went down or things that had to happen. Justin Jones had cramps at one point. Um, But there was just a very next man up mentality about it. And even when the second Joey Bosa roughing the passer call, the fumble out of the end zone, which (laughs) was ruled the touchback, uh, even after all that, you know, they really just get that one lucky break compared to all their breaks with the uh, Antonio Gibson fumble. They take advantage and that's game. Uh, So I thought it was just... uh, pretty clean game in all facets other than the drops by the receivers, which is weird. Um, But, you know, I thought Herbert had a great game. Uh, I thought really it was just a great game. And, you know, like I'm sure we'll get into, I feel like this was kind of a tone setter win, uh, especially a road win week one. Uh, The Chargers do not have many of those Uh, in recent years. They had the one against the Bengals last year. And that's like the only one I can remember, like the last, decade the Colts they won that was at home so you know uh, they don't really get too many of these opportunities on the road so I was happy about it yeah absolutely the operation for the most part was really clean and you know the Chargers move the ball on this Washington defense better than you know even I thought obviously they didn't end in points a lot of the drives but you know we were kind of projecting you know kind of like a 250 275 yard kind of game for Justin Herbert and he played incredible, man. Like, he was efficient. I know the, the one interception was really his only bad pass of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, he played awesome. Um, but shout out to the offensive line, like Alex was saying. You know, one of the things that Brandon Staley said in one of the preseason games was that they were not really helping the tackles. Like, they wanted to put the tackles on an island and really kind of just get a, a full evaluation on those players. Of course, it's a little different with Rajon Slater uh, and Brian Bulaga for most of that game, for the first half at least. But I love the way that they really helped the offensive line. You know, it was a lot of quick game. There was some sliding of the protections. There was some max protect situations. There was some, you know, six-man protections. Larry Roundtree had a couple of nice blitz pickup. So mm-hmm. did Austin Eckler. So the offensive line really was fantastic. And as Alex mentioned, you know, Storm Norton was a big part of that. Um, So Tyler, what's kind of your big takeaway from today? Yeah, just in line with all about the offense. I think we knew, I thought we knew more about Staley and this defense. And I think we kind of get where they're at and where they were going to be and where they're headed. But Joe Lombardi was such a big question mark. Everyone talking about, oh, you know, he's the guy from Detroit who looked like this and threw too many screen passes. They went very good. Stafford, you know, numbers, whatever, were down or something like that. So what does this guy look like in this new team? Well, I mean, he was dealing outside of the red zone, which I think, you know, we could talk about some of the issues there. But 
you know, he started seven of eight passing on first down, finished 16 passes and seven runs on first down. He targeted uh, nine different, or he had Herbert target nine different players in the passing game. Um, six players averaged 10 or more yards per reception. They had 424 total yards. Um, they held the ball for about two thirds of the game on offense. Yeah. They were 14 of 13 or 14 of 19 on third down. You finally got to see Eckler line up out wide and in the slot five times out wide one in the slot. And, you know, if you get stuck too much on, say, Keenan Allen, right, and you watch the Bills game from last year, or even the Patriots game from last year, and they cover Keenan Allen, Herbert's like, uh, I'll just keep targeting him because I don't know what this game plan is. <laughs> what are we doing? But by spreading the ball around, like Lombardi did in this game, and of course, Herbert threw it, you create opportunities for your other players to get open because everyone has to be respected, and everyone was fed in this game. And it's really just the start of where this offense is going to be. So uh, to me, the biggest takeaway was Joe Lombardi is much better than what he was at Detroit. And I can't wait to see how this offense evolves moving forward, especially with such a dominant offensive line. Yeah, man, he was awesome today. You know, they mix it up quite a bit, whether, like I said, you know, quick game, intermediate shots, and and really all of that stuff. And the third down performance specifically Mm -hmm. was crazy good today. And, you know, all we've heard so far this summer is that, oh, Justin Herbert can't keep this up. The Chargers can't keep this up. And Daniel Popper wrote this. I want to read it to make sure I get it right. Um, Justin Herbert today was just the fifth quarterback in the NFL since 1991 to convert 12 or more third downs through the air in one single game. Mm. Think about how many quarterbacks (laughs) have played games in the NFL since 1991. And then the Chargers converted 73 0.68% of their third downs into first downs. Hmm. That is the highest rate among any NFL team since 1991. Like the third down efficiency today was crazy. Yeah. And again, like they were moving the ball at will essentially. And normally you're probably not going to have, you know, 19 third down chances just kind of depending on, on what you're doing. But man, like the third down offense today was crazy. You know, we were clamoring last year for this team to be better on first down. Let Justin Herbert have more opportunities. And, you know, Joe Lombardi follows the analytics. Like, that, that is the the clear yep. takeaway from Lombardi. He's going to let Justin Herbert and this offense be, be, you know, kind of airing it out on first down. And most of the play calls worked. So yeah. it was it was really great to see what Joe Lombardi did today. Yeah, and I feel like this is kind of one of those games where it was going to be harder to do that, like against this Washington mm-hmm. football team defense, which you yeah. know, held them to 20 points. Um, and in the next couple of weeks, you know, you'll get to play Dallas, which is an opportunity to air the ball out, uh, at least more so than the Washington football team. And Kansas City is not exactly stout on defense either. Obviously, they have a great offense. So I think that you kind of even get to have a little bit more margin for error and, a little, you know, an ability to take more chances in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So I think my biggest takeaway, it's Rashawn Slater. It Heck has yeah, to be wait, Rashawn Slater. This, man. Like I, we talked all week about this Washington defensive front. Um, I missed on the Kyler Fackrell thing. But the reason I said that I felt like Kyler Fackrell was going to have a better game was because of Rashawn Slater. Mm-hmm. And Rashawn Slater was so good against Chase Young that they altered their game plan. Chase Young took like <laughs> 80% of his snaps against the left tackles last season. Mm-hmm. And he was going against Bulaga and Norton the entire day. 
They said, you're not going against Slater anymore. You're going on the opposite side. So I know that, you know, me, I was like looking at Rashawn Slater in the 2020 lens or 2020-21 lens of mm. looking at like, okay, he didn't play last year. You know, there has, there was some concerns, some concerns about his, you know, lack of arm length. So I was kind of picturing like a good season for Rashawn Slater, but like a season where he would take some lumps and like, you know, take a little bit to adjust to game speed, but he was awesome today and i haven't watched the film i i'm hoping that all 22 is back for this week to be able to watch him uh arjun tells us that he gave up zero pressures folks mm. zero against chase young and montez sweat like we have a stud left tackle <laughs> i don't know what happened but somehow we managed to land a franchise quarterback and a franchise left tackle in back-to-back classes and man, Rashawn Slater was so, so good today. And that is my biggest takeaway. I really hope this gets some attention. It won't because it's the Chargers and it's Washington <laughs> right. football team and Heineke played. But man, last year, I really feel like everyone really started talking about Tristan Wirfs the day that he basically shut down Joey Bosa. Now, he, yeah. Joey Bosa had three injuries going into that game, but still shutting down Joey Bosa is a big deal. Slater walking out and shutting down whoever was across from him like it was nothing, no problem at all. Oh man, I really like. I think Werfs was what eighty-two on the NFL top one hundred. I hope yeah. to see Wer- uh, Slater up there as well. If he can continue this, make that potential first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, whatever. Point is, he protected Herbert today better than any left tackle performance I can remember <laughs> in such a long time. Yeah. And it wasn't like an accident. It wasn't like oh he had a good game, but it's the outlier. Like this right. is the expectation moving forward. His first game against whoever was across from him on a great defense. Where like three guys had thirty-five or more pressures last season, three and they think or four had thirty or more. Four, had, yeah, yeah, and then three had forty or more. It was like, eh, you know, whatever. Like I've just I, didn't, I haven't played a game in forever. I kind of got some back issues. Whatever, let's go. Shut him down, no problem. I cannot wait to watch the film. I can't wait to watch your film breakdown. The moment yeah. I saw Arjun send us that that he had zero pressures, I just Stephen, I just think <laughs> of you in those moments, man. I'm like. Oh my gosh! Like, and we kind of needed this. We all really liked yeah. Slater a lot. Yeah. Like, Rash- like the Chargers needed the shirt, but we needed this because Rashawn Slater is a guy we freaking loved, and everybody liked him. At worst, he was like OT two or something like that. But man, it just feels so good having him out there. Instead, like, look, the other first round wide receivers that played, they did very well. Alex and his Eagles can speak to that. But boy, right. I can't imagine going into the season with with Chase Young lined up against. I don't know, Trey Pipkins or Liam Eikenberg or something. But no, we got Slater. And for that, we get zero pressures. Oh, perfection. It's just so great to hear number 79 is reporting as eligible as an extra blocker (laughs) and not the primary left tackle. And we should keep it that way for as long as humanity exists. Um, But yeah, I mean... That was just so great to see that Slater performance. Um, he, he was really dominant, and it, it just gives you, you know, hope. Like, obviously, yeah. we don't know what's going to be Balaga status this week. That's going to be something that's going to be up in the air. Um, but it, it sort of is like, hey, if you have at least one of those tackle spots filled out by a guy that you know is legit, then the rest of it kind of comes easy, right? And then you have Corey Lindsley and you have uh, everybody else, like Filer and Abushi played pretty well today too. Um, So you really got, even if you have Norton, four out of those five uh, guys there. Uh, So 
uh, I think, and he played well today against Chase Young. The first play against Chase Young, he bounces off of him. That's crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I I thought Slater was super fun to see, and I don't uh, I, I don't really see any. Well, I don't think he's going to get the worst kind of recognition yet. <laughs> I hope right. he does, and we'll see him on yeah. the NFL top one hundred. But, you know, this is a start. I mean, this is the best possible start he could have had. I was worried going into this game about what the cohesion of the offensive line would be and, you know, Herbert not playing the preseason and all that kind of stuff. And Joe Lombardi told me to uh, shove it. Yeah, Lombardi was awesome today. Um, yeah, so Alex did already eat his shoe. He, he stuck that thing in his <laughs> mouth for like a solid 45 seconds. Uh, so if you missed that, go back to the stream uh, if you feel like it. Um, so thank you. Uh, shout out to Pedro Ramirez. He did give us a super chat question. So again, you know, feel free to comment. You guys let us know, ask us some questions. Um, and obviously we have some stuff that we have prepared to talk about. Um, but feel free to ask us these questions. Uh, Pedro says if the receivers didn't drop any passes, this would have been a blowout. Also the touchback call was BS. The touchback call, man, like that is probably the worst call that I've seen in like, probably a while in the NFL, like even Gene Steratore was like, no, 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 this should have been an incomplete pass. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what happened here, but um, it was definitely frustrating. The drops, there were seven drops today. Mm. So a couple of them, you know, like Jalen guy got hit in the face. He wasn't looking like, yeah. okay, I can kind of excuse that one. Um, Keenan had a drop pass. Mike Williams had a drop pass. So I don't know if I'm super concerned about that. There, that kind of seemed like a big issue for a lot of teams uh, this weekend. So maybe some first game jitters, but um, this definitely had the makings of a game that shouldn't have been that close. Um, but you know, it is what it is. The Chargers overcame it and they were able to win. So, uh, what did you guys make of the drop passes today? I mean, Keenan never drops anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was when that ball. It was like third and four when that dropped off his hands. I was like, well, okay, wow. Um, I think Mike Williams dropped two, Guyton dropped one. Uh, it, it, it was a little bit surprising all the way around. Um, but again, like Herbert didn't play any of the preseason and Keenan and Mike didn't play any of the preseason, right? So yeah. I think there are just still those moments where they're trying to work stuff out. Um, as far as the touchback call, I found that really weird because I, I found it, well, it was a bad call, but specifically how confident they were uh, just in the original call <laughs> yeah. before yeah. it got sent to review that it was a fumble. Because I was like, why wouldn't you call that an incomplete pass uh, and then go to the video and, and, and yeah. say, yeah, because if then there's overwhelming evidence that it's a fumble, like you would make the right call either way. But then because they call it uh, a fumble there, then they need like conclusive evidence and all that, you know, whole thing with the NFL to overturn it. And so that that makes it really difficult. Um, but yeah, no, there were some uh, brutal brutal calls today. Some on both sides too. Uh, there was a Justin Jones face mask in the first quarter that they just completely just missed yeah. the call. Um, there, it, you know, I think it was probably a weird day throughout the league. I've only I only watched about three or four of the morning games, uh, and then the uh, uh, the Rams Bears one that was on TV. But it's probably going to take some time. That touchback pass thing was so bad that Pro Football Focus went out in storm and said that that was a bad call <laughs> for Herbert. Like even they were like, "Geez, like what are you guys yeah. doing? That's the worst call I've ever seen." I hate the rule, like you said. I'm surprised how confident with they they were the first time around. And then okay, you know, okay, fine, review it. That's cool. 
turn, you know, fix it, whatever. No, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. I don't understand how a ball goes 20 yards in forward after getting hit like this way by the defender and it goes 20 yards forward. And it's like definitely a fumble. I don't get that at all. I hate the touchback rule as it is. Um, but yeah, very, very odd. Unfortunately, the Chargers seem to have these repeat like things where they just penalize. I, I thought honestly they were repeating last year where like Herbert, I believe against the Panthers had the same thing happen to him almost twice. Yeah. I believe one time it happened to him and it almost happened again. And like, that's not a fumble. The ball is going forward 25 yards. How is that a fumble? No one's swatting a ball 25 yards that way. So super weird. As far as the drops go, that's just like such a, look, it's a game killer. It can be a game killer for a single game. But to me, that's such a small thing for them to fix. The like the big fixes that they would have had to make, you know, that were awful. Let's say they had bad special teams, poor game plan, missed tackles, something like that. I think that's a lot worse. These drops, I don't expect them to continue. I, I can't imagine they have seven drops again. So I, I'm not so worried about that. But the calls were the calls are rough. There's one point where Ode Abushi, like, oh, you know, yeah, uh, the Ode one was bad. Face, I forget what it was, illegal hands to the face. And then they, they're showing the replay, and the announcers are just silent for 20 seconds because they're waiting for the hands to the face <laughs> to happen. And he, Abushi's just like grabbing the guy's pads, and they're like, oh, yeah, that was a bad call. It's yeah. just so I don't know what was going on. It was, again, if they had lost, I, I wouldn't have called the refs out as being the first reason they lost, maybe not even the second reason they lost. But boy, I would have had a, a real bone to pick with them because it was getting bad at certain points. Yeah, the Ode Abushi one was was really bad. Like you said, it was there was just this awkward silence of like, yeah. okay, where's this penalty? <laughs> and then it never came. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to bring up the uh the kind of overall pro football focus numbers from this game that Arjun was able to share with us. I'm trying to find the pressures. Um, I can do the offensive line if you or no, you do the offensive line. Why am I why would I do that? Right. I'm just trying to scroll up. Arjun and I were and Tyler and I were all texting each other and we were going crazy. So um, we were kind of worried about, you know, Ode Ibushi and the interior offensive mm -hmm. line. Um, and they played pretty well. Ode Ibushi apparently didn't allow a single pressure, which is fantastic. So him and Slater uh, gave up zero. Mm -hmm. Norton and Bulaga each gave up one. Um, I think both of those two sacks were the right tackle fault. Right tackle's fault. Matt Filer mm -hmm. gave up one pressure. Uh, and then Corey Lindsley, actually arguably the best player on the line, gave up the most pressures. He gave up two. Ooh. So, <laughs> I know. Crazy, right? Like, <laughs> I don't think there was a single game last year where Dan Feeney only gave up two pressures. Um, <laughs> so, the offensive line, I thought, played very, very well. Again, they were doing some – they were definitely doing some things to help them out and make it easier. You know, a lot of quick game action and, you know, some, like I said, sliding protections, max protect on a couple plays. Um, but the offensive line as a whole played very, very well. I think one of those sacks was uh, Jonathan Allen, though. So would that have been on the right tackle? Or I'm not sure. I thought I the sack was, was. I think it was sweating Allen. I might okay. be wrong. I thought it was Chase. I thought Chase Young got the sack. No, I don't think okay. so. Um, but yeah, I thought the offensive line played very well. And in terms of the receiver, the receivers, I don't know if we want to go this way, but um, sure. Mike Williams played mm -hmm. awesome today. I know he had the one drop touchdown, but you know, Mike Williams really kind of showed off some improved ability, which is what we've been kind of hoping to see. Um, I love the fact that you know Brandon Staley gave him a shout out after and said that he's a weapon in the short and intermediate range and not just a chuck it deep player. Mm -hmm. um and his quote about the 50 50 balls and mike williams was awesome like how you know the analytics tell you not to throw a goal line fade 
but when you have someone like Mike Williams, you know, it yeah. creates a different movie and you're allowed to have those opportunities. So um, we've been very critical of Mike Williams in, in this uh, on this podcast over the summer, but I thought he had a very big game today and 12 targets, which is huge. Mm. Well, I also think that we've been very critical of him because we knew that like his potential is this, right? Like his potential is being at some point because of his size and because of everything that he can do, like a top 15 receiver, right? Yeah. Like the thing is that he just hasn't done it from, from game to game in previous seasons and, uh, you know, comes in and out of games because of injuries. Um, I'm not willing to, you know, <laughs> commit 20 million to him over the next four years, you know, yeah. with <laughs> over one game. But, you know, it was a it was a solid first effort. Um, definitely had that connection with Herbert going um, some critical downs too. Herbert mm-hmm. was fitting balls into nice windows with uh, with Williams. So I uh, was impressive to see, you know, just how that whole thing played out. Um, you know, <laughs> the the Guyton catch where he caught it. Yeah. Like Arjun says <laughs> uh, back shoulder and he wasn't body catching. Like I was just that was like, a wow, great that's catch. Yeah, and Herbert, Herbert put it directly where, you know, needed to be. Um, so that was awesome. You know, uh, we, we talked a lot about Williams having a Michael Thomas role, um, and I still don't know if that's quite what it's going to be, but at least in terms of volume, you know, Lombardi uh, Lombardi wasn't playing. Yeah, they didn't lie about him getting involved. And Mike Williams, it was really great to see him utilize in a way that really took advantage of his body, his size, and his strengths but not in a way that leaves him avail- you know, up for injury or something like that. He went eight for 82 and a touchdown, just working the sidelines beautifully. And anytime they really had him on one-on-one, they went to him. And you know, other yeah. than me being a little bit worried when he, I think it was the drop ball in the end zone, and then he was really slow to get up, which is almost like a game occurrence, a gamely occurrence for Mike Williams, unfortunately. But he was just a perfect compliment to Keenan Allen. It seemed like Keenan Allen was you know, anywhere they needed him in the middle of the field. Williams kind of on the sidelines a little bit more. Guyton was kind of used as like a gadget sort of player. I think Cook was another in the middle sort of guy. I just love the way they used all these guys. But yes, Mike Williams came up in, in some really big moments, some really good plays. And it's really nice to see him use it in a way that should keep him healthy for 17 games. I'm hoping I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't bet on it, but it really does seem like in, instead of those prayer balls, they're going to let him just be a really good receiver at what he's good at. And, you know, they're not asking him to do anything crazy. They're not asking him to do anything like Keenan Allen is doing. Keenan Allen is obviously still the route runner, but he's being used in a way that works really well for him. And if he can put up eight catches for 82 yards and a touchdown every week, fine by me. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like the way that they use all of the receivers. You know, we, mm-hmm. I kind of thought that it would be a tight end week because that was kind of, you know, the weak area of the Washington defense and Brandon and uh, Brandon Cook. Jared Cook did have a good game, um, yeah. but you know, it definitely got off to a little bit of a slow start, but I like the way that, um, you know, Brandon Staley said that when Herbert is kind of off with us with a receiver, he doesn't kind of stop going to them. He kept going to Jared Cook, which I think is a very good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the way they use all the receivers. You know, we saw Jalen Guyton be kind of used as that gadget player a little bit. You know, they they threw that short pass to him, mm-hmm. and he actually made a couple people miss. Like Jalen Guyton played really really well. Yeah, that one on the sideline. Whew. Yeah, so it was really fun to see them. KJ Hill stepped up big and made a play. He did. You know, we didn't see much of uh, Josh Palmer. He did have the one catch. And just a side note, like him wearing five and wearing the long sleeves today really <laughs> threw me for a loop. Like he yeah. ran out for the first time. And I was like, I was like, is that Tyrod? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Um, yeah. But it was just great to see, you know, all the receivers uh, really kind of showing out today. 
Absolutely. I mean, again, I can think it was six guys with a, a, a reception average of 10 yards or more. People were concerned on Twitter about the lack of deep balls, but what did you kind of expect after watching the scrimmage and some of the preseason? And then again, like, yeah, it's not 50 yard passes to Tyron Johnson or Jalen Guyton or something, but you're getting quite a you know good chunks of passes on, on in yeah. each throw. So I wasn't concerned about that at all. I love the way they're using them so far. It's just going to be so hard to find teams that can match up, you know, five receivers in a tight end, six receivers in a tight end, and any of them can get open. No problem. It's going to be very, very hard to stop this Chargers team. Yeah, and I thought really that first drive was just kind of indicative of, uh, you know, they're just philosophy on offense in general, right? Like that first drive, they got Eckler involved, they got Roundtree involved, they got Keenan involved, they got uh, Mike Williams involved, they got Guyton, uh, you know, pretty much like everyone, uh, Cook, you know, whoever it might have been, you know, it was just very varied uh, in terms of approach. So I really liked what they were doing on that. Um, and that kind of showed throughout the whole game. You know, if Cook is open, they bring in Steven Anderson for a play. They, you know, kind of just keep mixing it up. Um, and so, you know, that's why I think with this kind of team outside of like the main players that we are talking about, like uh, Keenan and Austin Eckler and those guys, I sort of think the stats matter a little bit less, right? Like it's just, you know, which guy's going to get open and which guy's going to get the ball in this game. Um, and so I think that could change every week uh, when we talk about like the secondary tertiary kind of type receivers. Um, Jared Cook had a big week this week. Maybe it'll be somebody else next week. Right. Um, but yeah. Uh, and shout out to Jared Cook. Like I thought he played incredibly well uh, and, you know, showed some uh, kind of like burst up the middle that I feel like we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see, how they use Donald Parham next week. I know he played yeah. a lot today. Um, I think he only had the one target. Uh, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, I don't actually, I don't even know yep. if he was targeted at all. One target, uh, one target. Okay. So I'm excited to see that one, but let, let's shift to the defense because Arjun kind of points sure. out something that is uh, really exciting. And we mentioned this, uh, you know, Joey Bosa's upcoming schedule and I like Sam Cosby. I think Cosby is going to be a fine offensive tackle in this league. But Joey Bosa had himself a day today. And, you know, I know he had the one roughing the passer penalty, which really was was a dumb penalty of his. The other penalty was was just stupid. Um, So, obviously, you can't count the penalty ones. So, outside of the penalties, Bosa had four pressures, the sack. And Arjun told us that he beat Cosme or or one of the other players an additional seven times that didn't result (laughs) in – in a pressure like that is some absurd playmaking ability from you know one of the players one of the best players in the league uh and as arjun points out the highest graded pass rusher right now uh of mm. course that could change depending on you know uh who plays well tonight in the chicago and los angeles game uh and then tomorrow into two games so joey Bosa had himself a day absolutely yeah. had himself uh, a day so happy to see him get out there as a healthy guy and just wreak havoc and then when you look at the stats tomorrow whenever they come out and maybe the pressures aren't you know super high or the the hits aren't super high. The Washington football team only attempted 21 passes. So if Joey Bosa yeah. had like 10 plays where he won, that's basically <laughs> half of the time he was winning, which is insane. Yeah. And then uh, then doubly you know amazing is that Herbert you know passed 47 times and Slater gave up zero pressures and Abuji gave up zero pressure. So right. for Bosa to be that crazy efficient on 21 passing plays. And then how good the offensive line was on 47 passing plays. 
really great. I, I can't wait to watch Joey Bosa next week. And I mean, really every week. It just, my, I watched every game with my dad typically, and we were just in awe about how much faster Joey Bosa is than everybody else off the line. He is just in a sprint every single time. But there was another play somewhere in the game where, you know, I really think if he didn't get there to tackle the guy seven, 10 yards downfield or whatever, the guy could have picked up a first down. So, you know, Joey Bosa sprinting down the field, makes that tackle way down the field. I just don't think he gets enough credit for how much hustle he has. But a guy who, again, wins half of his pass rush snaps for him to also turn around, you know, hike it downfield and tackle somebody downfield and make that stop is amazing. He's just an amazing player and really showing that he belongs in the top three edge conversation already. Shout out to uh, Dark Bosin who gave us this uh, uh, super chat. Sante Slater, Palmer, and Roundtree. Rookies did great today. Yeah, that was the theme largely of the whole day. Um, uh, what were we just... Oh, we're talking about Bosa. I was going to say yeah. Zach Martin is probably going to have to kick out to right tackle. Um, like I, I don't know how they're going to manage that. Um, yeah. Steven's the offensive line expert, but I don't feel like the Cowboys have any choice at this point because... Like, I really yeah. don't know how they're going to deal with Joey Bosa because to me it just seems like you throw the kitchen sink at him and let the yeah. rest of the defensive line, you know, do what they do and, you know, take whatever comes with that. But um, it's going to be tough for Dallas next week for sure. Yeah, so m- most teams generally prefer not to make two moves to replace one starter. Obviously, Zach Martin didn't play last week. Um, but you know, that was something that Brandon Staley kind of talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago when he was asked, uh, what would happen if, if Brian Belaga was out, he just said, we would rather have the one move putting Storm Norton in than moving Matt Filer over and then putting someone else in at left guard. So I assume that's kind of how most teams view that kind of situation. Um, but again, most players are not Zach Martin, you know, Zach Martin is a great all-time you know, Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see. I think Terrence Steele is uh, technically listed as Lyle Collins' backup. So um, we'll obviously have to monitor that situation and see who, uh, you know, who steps up. And another player that we've kind of been critical of recently this summer was Uchenna Nwosu. Uh Obviously knocked Ryan Fitzpatrick out of the game. Uh, and then yeah. he had one additional pressure. So I thought he played pretty well. Again, as Tyler mentioned, you know, two pressures in 21, you know, pass rushing reps. That's pretty good for Chuna Nwosu. Um, did not see a lot of Kyler Fackrell because in part because uh, Nwosu was playing so well. Conspiracy theory, though. I actually think that knocking Ryan Fitzpatrick out of the game should be considered a negative for Nwosu. Because <laughs> then Heineke comes in at halftime and then immediately gets that touchdown. Uh, yeah. But no, in, in all seriousness, um, no, and, and Wosu looked good. And I just feel bad for Fitzpatrick because that was just a brutal hit. Yeah. Um, and probably done for the year. Um, yeah. So uh, I thought Wosu played well. Really, I mean, I, we didn't really see much past. Uh, we, I, I don't know. Did we notice Fackrell that much? Um, I, I he was out him. there. I, I saw yeah. him. But, um, yeah. It was really it felt like Wilson Wosu. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I don't think Fakor had a pressure, did he? Oh boy, let me check. I want to say he did. There was a pretty good list of guys who had one pressure, so I can I can sift through the text real fast. Definitely, yeah, he definitely contributed, but it just felt like it was more a Bosa and Wosu kind of game than a Bosa Fakor kind of game, which 
you know, the preseason mm-hmm. sort of changed our expectations about who would be edge rusher two and all that. And it still feels like it's up in the air and depending kind of on the matchup with when it comes yeah. to and Wosu mm-hmm. and, and Fackrell and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Arjun said that Fackrell did not have any pressures. Bosa had four and also had two. And then Derwin, Justin Jones, Kaiser White, Kenneth Murray, Christian Covington, and Linvaugh Joseph each had one. So that, that's a pretty good list. That spin move that Kyler Murray put on Brandon Scherf, man. Ooh, man. <laughs> that was great. That fired me up. I think he ended up hitting uh, Tyler Heineke, too. So um, Kenneth Murray is a pass rusher, man. Sign me up for more of that. Yeah, it's really cool to watch him move around. I think the linebackers, aside from Kaiser White, it's a couple of big plays. I feel like they're still trying to figure out and like find their footing in this defense because it felt like Murray was just everywhere, but not quite making those plays just yet. But you know it's on its way. Like he's just trying to figure out what his roles are. He was in, you know, faking a blitz, line up over center, then dropping into coverage. Then he's rushing from this side, doing a spin move off a of shurf, you know, covering some guy in the flat. He was everywhere. So I think eventually it'll kind of settle in and it'll be more, you know, tackles for loss, run stops, sacks, pressures, and that sort of thing. But so cool to watch him move around. You talked about him as your X factor. And it really seems like that's the direction he's heading. He's just going to be the X factor for the defense. Yeah. we. One of the things that I noticed when I went back and studied the Chicago defense is that they really moved Roquan Smith around quite a bit when Brandon Staley was mm. in Chicago. And, you know, they would bring him on blitzes. They would line him up on the edge. They would line him up over the center. And, and really, like, that's kind of, you know, the, the player that I feel like Kenneth Murray really resembles, and especially in this role. So, it's going to be really exciting. You know, these linebackers, we were really excited about the trio, right? Drew Tranquil played three snaps. So <laughs> this team loves Kaiser White, man, and mm-hmm. he rewarded them today. He had the one fumble on the sideline, unfortunately, rolled out of bounds. Um, and then he had the game-changing, really game-saving force fumble at the goal line, which, of course, Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, kind of forced him, the runner back to him. So, mm-hmm. um Great day for the linebackers, for sure. Yeah, uh, 100% a great day for the linebackers. Um, I was not too surprised to not see Drew Tranquil in kind of that top two. I mean, it just speaks to how deep they are there, right? Like, um, you know, Kaiser kind of earned that spot based on this transition to the Staley system. And uh, obviously, you had Kenneth Murray, who was a first-round pick and looked like a stud today with 10 tackles, which was pretty great to see from him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that he just, he, Kaiser, I just think brings a certain juice to the game that I don't really think, um, I don't really think Tranquil brings, obviously Tranquil has a lot of special teams value when he is playing special teams or, you know, uh, obviously definitely a decent coverage linebacker at times, but I just feel like Kaiser is more needed for kind of that run game, uh, element. Yeah, I was still a little surprised to Drake will only get three snaps. And granted, they yeah. the the team the Chargers dominated time of possession. It's not like the 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 for, I don't know, the hell their name Washington. It's not the Washington football team ran a ton of plays, <laughs> yeah. but still, like even in the preseason, I feel like Tranquil. Granted, it is the preseason. I think Murray must have been pulled out earlier, um, but I really think that Tranquil had more, more than three snaps in, in the preseason game. So I was a little surprised. But again, if Kaiser White's going to make you know two forced fumbles a game, that's fine by me. And the team really needed that, you know, even though yeah. it was a very limited role, that was kind of Denzel Perryman's thing last year where, you know, again, week one uh, against the Bengals, the guy that that changed the game that the Chargers probably weren't winning that game. if Denzel Perryman doesn't make that play, but he did cause that fumble, gives the team some life. And there you go. The Chargers needed that. They needed that life. They needed that extra possession. 
Of course, they make something of it and they win the game. And so yeah. Kaiser White, if that's his role, just being a hardcore playmaker who can do anything for them, I love it. And the fact that he had a pressure, I think Murray had the pressure too, James had the pressure. It's just going to be a constant attack from all sides, and I love it so far. Yeah, I was surprised that Tranquil didn't play more. I figured because the coaches all camp labeled them as co-starters. So I was kind of like True. I was expecting Kaiser White to play more. Yeah. And this this could have been kind of like a hot hand situation. Maybe Drew Tranquil was going to play, but Kaiser was just playing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that because, you know, all camp, it was like, no, they're both the guy. They're both the guy. They're both the guy. And so um, Trank was going to have a role and keeping him on special teams. Like, I think that is very, very helpful, right, for this special teams unit, which was not bad today, but they were not necessarily great either. Yeah. Um, but it is something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, let's shift gears now and talk a little bit about the secondary because I think this was kind of an area of concern for a lot of us. We had Nasir Adderley go out for a little bit, which forced Alohi Gilman in. We had Michael Davis miss a few plays, which forced Tavon Campbell in. Um, I think Asante Samuel Jr. played very, very well. Obviously, you know, a great tackler, which we've talked about, was one of Tyler's favorite things about him. Uh, which is why he had him graded so highly coming out of the draft. But um, Alex, what do you make of the secondary overall in this game? I mean, I, th- I thought they played pretty well. Like people will point to the, the Michael Davis, uh, Terry McLaurin thing where, you know, he kind of got beat. And then uh, Nasir Adderley uh, makes that just weird play on the ball where he that just was like crazy, <laughs> where he just like jumps 50 feet the other direction and Terry McLaurin still <laughs> catches it. Um, so you can say there were bad moments, but if you t- take that 34 yard pass away from Terry McLaurin, he had what 28 yards the rest of the game, right? Like, yeah. so if you could go into this game and tell me the secondary is going to have you know 28 yards to Washington's best receiver, like you know, you take that every time. Um, it was not perfect. Um, and you know, Asante, I think, had a PI call on him that I thought was questionable, yes. but yeah, um. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about Michael Davis in this chat, but I honestly think he was fine for most of the game. Uh, definitely got burned a little bit on in the third quarter when Heineke started picking up a little bit of steam. Sure. Um, but other than that, I really thought Chris Harris was fine. I thought uh, you had Asante Samuel, obviously, who was good. Uh, and everybody kind of contributed. And you had people like Tavon Campbell come in when they needed to uh, and step up pretty well. So... Uh, people will point to a couple of plays that definitely could have gone better. I thought Nasir Adderley was a little bit the weak link of the secondary today, but as a whole, I thought the secondary was fine. Yeah, Adderley was hurt on one play, and I was like, eh. And then he ended up getting beat by Thomas on the touchdown later in that yeah. drive. I don't know if they should have pulled him at that point. I don't know how much the injury hampered him from really being able to close. As far as him being the weak link, probably. I need to watch the game. You know, obviously we watch the game and we don't really get to see much of the secondary watching it from the all 22 angles. Very, very different. So right. I would like to watch Davis again to see how it turned out because right. on a per snap basis, maybe it wasn't very good and the numbers aren't that great. But if you told me that Terry McLaren was only going to have 62 yards and again, like you said, really only to have 28 yards, if not for that, just freak catch on the sideline that never just should have happened <laughs> you know other than that you know, it was unreal has, man it was unreal it, it it made no sense and watching it over and over again like how do you and it even hit him in it uh, utterly in the hands yeah. and then it still went through i won't ever happen like that again i hope 
But other than that, you know, De'Ami Brown had negative two receiving yards and Adam Humphreys had 10 yards. Chris or Sims, whoever the hell his first name is, he had 17 yards, you know, for Logan Thomas to be the other receiver. He had 30 yards. Yeah. They just did a really good job. And Asante Samuel Jr., man, um, someone pointed out in the chat that Staley said the, the P.I. was kind of because of idly giving up the position. So Asante Samuel Jr. had to make the P. I thought Samuel Jr. was in, in place, to be completely honest. I thought he was totally fine to not have to make that. So I'll have to rewatch that to see what happened. But otherwise, even at that point, you think, okay, oh boy, and now they're going to pick on the rookie. Jamie Brown's getting a pretty you know, solid look there and kind of getting open. Maybe they'll pick on him. And they kind of tried uh, maybe that driver later uh, in the game. And he had two, I don't know if they're passes defensed, but he was defending the pass and they were forced incompletions. Right. And from there on, he was just great. Like there was just something about him. You know, we're, we're willing to accept some of the struggles early on with Asante Samuel Jr. because of what else he can do. And that's changed the game. You know, whether it's the the tackle, just flying out of nowhere, very Derwin James-like, flying out of nowhere, making the run stops. Or eventually, I'm sure he's going to have one pretty soon, baiting the quarterback into an interception or a bad throw. He is just a, a playmaker. And shout out to Chargers fans for being right so far through two games about Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. That's the guys. Those are the guys that we all kind of wanted. And it's worked out so far. And so yeah. it, it feels really, really good. After 98% of us being wrong about Herbert, it's great for 98% of us to be right about Slater and uh, <laughs> Samuel Jr. so far. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, you know, I, Brandon Slater said after the game that he, it kind of looked like from his point of view that Asante Jr. was expecting help on that mm. play. I agree with the PI call. It was very ticky-tacky. Yeah. Um, I also, like, there are some rules that I absolutely hate in the NFL and pass interference being a spot foul call <laughs> is so ridiculous. Like getting 35 yards on a penalty yeah. is crazy. Um, but I, I love the way that he bounced back. And that was kind of a theme for the day, really. Like, yeah, it, I was joking with my wife, you know, and our drive, she turned to me and she was like, wow, that looks really different. And then yeah. after the the fumble through the end zone, she was like, "Never mind, they're not different anymore." <laughs> <laughs> but then they came back, and they, they you did. know, they were able to win that game. And then getting the ball back with around seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and not giving the ball back, like, mm. it this is just really kind of a tone setting win, in my opinion, for the Chargers. Really reversing some bad juju from the previous coaching staff, um, and that includes Asante Samuel Jr. Right? Like we've seen. I was very high on Jeff, Jeff Okuda last year mm -hmm. and, you know, he would get beat one, one time early in the game and the rest of the game was just in his head. It was not very good. And so Asante Samuel Jr. to have a PI call going against him, get beat a little bit and still have the mentality to come back and be resilient and still be a playmaker. It really speaks volumes to him as a person and him as a player and just kind of the mentality that we all know that he's going to bring to this game. Yeah, I mean, and you saw all in training camp. The guy's got a swing instead of something between his legs because he's like, yeah, 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 move over, Chris Jr. I'm going to cover Keenan Allen. Don't worry about it. And then he, uh, man, he makes a play on it. He's yeah. like, okay, I knew you were good and, and kind of cocky, and I guess corners should be. But, man, you know, I haven't seen that kind of swagger in a long time. Like, Michael Davis is pretty good, but he doesn't – there's just something just different about Asante Samuel Jr. and that mentality, and it carries him through this game. He's like, yeah, whatever, pass interference. I'll make 17 other plays during the game. They're going to change the game more than that pass interference. So I'm really excited about him. It's going to be a much tougher test next week against the, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but I'm excited to watch him. Sure. 
Yeah, that's going to be a heck of a challenge for the secondary, though. You know, I think, you know, this uh, Cooper, C.D. Lamb duo is going to put up, like, 2,000 yards each this season. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> uh, Michael Gallup is now out. It's all C.D. Lamb and all uh, Cooper. So the last yeah. thing I'll talk about the secondary, Derwin James played every single snap in this game. And it was just so, so nice to see arguably the Chargers' best player on defense play again and play every single snap. Play well. um, you know, he, he didn't – almost had that one interception on, like, the third play of the game or whatever. Um, but just very solid all around. And I love that Brandon Staley gave him a game ball. So it was just great seeing Derwin out there, flying around, making plays bringing the juice to this defense. I cannot wait to see what he does the rest of the year. Yeah, I can't wait to see what, uh, I mean, really this whole team, but also specifically, you know, him, what they do. Uh, I mean, Derwin just was, uh, the only thing I really noticed was the horse collar tackle, but that canceled out with a dumb penalty uh, on the the same. It was just a weird offsetting call uh, at that point in the game, but, Derwin being able to play every snap, obviously we talked about the whole Derwin playing with Bosa for the first time, you know, in so long. Uh, it was just great to really see the whole team together. And Derwin obviously is just such a huge contributor, uh, even though he didn't have that pick or have maybe that like big play that everybody loves. He came up with some huge tackles and is just going to be such a pivotal part to this defense. And like Staley said post game, like everybody knows what the Chargers are with him and what the Chargers are without him. Yeah, well, look at the the graph. I think Arjun might have it in one of his articles of the, the uniqueness of the defense when Gus Bradley had Derwin James, or when he didn't have Derwin James, and when Derwin James came back. It's like this is the uniqueness without him, and then with him, it just goes. It's a complete like a parabola yeah. at that point. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing, and I, I I couldn't tell. Maybe you know, tell me if I'm wrong. It seemed like after that first pass defense really early in the game that Derwin James was pretty emotional. Like for some reason, I don't know if I just read it in his eyes or something, but it looked like he was just like, it, it might have been regret that he didn't have an interception, but there was something there like he just looked like he was happy to be back and soaking in the moment. Maybe I'm wrong, but it really just seemed like he was soaking in that moment of being on the field and making plays again. For him to play all the snaps is amazing. Again, they didn't pass all that much. So he didn't get a really you know a great chance to get an interception or anything, but the time is coming and I can't, I just, I'm so excited to see this guy on the field because he is so special. We've been missing it for so long and now he's going to be back for him to get, you know, play all the snaps, play pretty well, get a game ball. That one play where he gets low blocked and that they call a penalty on that guy and he still gets up and makes the tackle anyway, yeah. just a special guy, just a special, special player. And he's, he's going to be responsible for one win in some game at this point in the season, whatever he does, he has to contribute to different things. But one game this year, he's just going like kind of like the Steelers game in 2018. He's just going to take over the game and basically try to win the game by himself. Like Joey Bosa's kind of had to do on his own for a while. Now they get to do it together. <laughs> They're going to change everything, and I can't wait to watch them. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's going to be so much fun watching them throughout the season. And both of them played very well today, which needed to happen. Um, all right, before we wrap this up with some studs and duds. Um, let's talk about kind of one area maybe that we want to see the Chargers improve through uh, the next game, uh, if you will, and, and kind of address this week. So, Tyler, we'll start with you. What's one thing you want the Chargers to improve upon this week in before they play the Dallas Cowboys? 
I would love to see them improve in the red zone. I think that's a combination of things. People are wondering, you know, what, what's going on? Why aren't we exactly looking great in the red zone? I believe they were in six trips to the red zone. They scored twice on touchdowns. I don't know if that's bad. I don't know what the usual going rate is, but it wasn't great. They had their drops. It was surprising to see Donald Parham not get many targets. And as Arjun gave us the stats for this, of the 41 snaps that he had, only 14 were non-blocking plays, which was kind of surprising. I figured once you get to the red zone, like once you're there, give him a shot. But then you're looking at the red zone and they show one incompletion. And it's like Keenan Allen and like Jalen Guyton running slants in the end zone, which I mean, you can mix and match all you want. But I just thought like, where's Donald Parham? Like you guys, they did it all throughout training camp, all throughout the preseason, all throughout the, you know, the uh, scrimmage and whatever. And he kind of disappeared, and that was odd. I also thought it was odd that they weren't asking Herbert to do any bootlegs and run it himself, especially when you have so many guys that are they're dropping passes for whatever reason. Just yeah. a weird kind of day. I get that you want to keep him healthy, maybe not use it all the time, but I was surprised that they never did outside of that quarterback sneak. Like, let him run. You know, if, if the guys aren't catching balls or you're struggling in the red zone, let him run. Fine. You know, good luck. Let, let somebody figure out if they can tackle him. You know, and he's only got five yards to go or something like that. Figure out if they can tackle him because I think they should have let him kind of go and then potentially contributing to this. I need to watch Donald Parham again, but they did have Trey McKitty inactive. And when they at the scrimmage or different games, they would have Trey McKitty come in as another blocking tight end. So instead of like, unless they are going to try to pass it or whatever, they usually would go with like McKitty and Parham as the blocking tight ends. Well, McKitty was inactive, so you know they didn't get the chance to have him. So I do think just a combination of using Parham more, maybe having McKitty active. Unfortunately, that was my X-Factor player, and he was inactive, so I couldn't really do much there. But <laughs> yeah. I would like to see him get kind of get involved, even just as a blocker, because I think that would help. Not that they should run more, but I don't know. He's just a, he's a better blocker. I think Parham got blew up on one play that led to um, a pretty bad hit on somebody. But, um, yeah, I would like to see the red zone offense improve because they're going to have to. Like 20 points is not going to cut it next week. You probably need 30 at minimum. Uh, I'd say the one thing that needs to improve for next week is definitely run defense, like uh, Image yeah. well mentions in the chat. Uh, you're going against Zeke and Tony Pollard, uh, and I just don't think you can have the performance you did against Antonio Gibson today. And frankly, if Antonio Gibson doesn't fumble that ball, uh, the Washington football team probably wins this game. Uh, so, you know, I think he had 20 carries for about 90 yards. Like, they really had no answer for him until that fumble. Uh, and are, and are kind of, you know, they did force it to happen on some level, but are, are kind of lucky they got that break. So uh, I would say definitely for next week, um, you know, it's a little bit less concerning because you're going against the, you know, kind of batter Dallas offensive line at this point. But yeah. still, uh, you know, because of how much of a threat Dallas is vertically, like they're still going to run the ball. Uh, so I think that mostly will fall on the interior defensive line uh, in the run game, which has been a storyline for the last few years. And I still think continues to be a storyline. Uh, Justin Jones obviously went out of the game today and I didn't think uh, Linval Joseph and Jerry Tillery really did much uh, in terms of the run game. Yeah. The run defense was, was suspect. It, it was very interesting to see what their plan was once Justin Jones went down, which he just has cramping, so it seems like he's probably gonna be fine. But I mean, Eric Banks really was kind of getting pushed around a lot. I thought he had one good pass rush rep where he uh, could have gotten a pressure, but ended. I think Tyler, Taylor Heineke ended up, you know, rolling out to the opposite side. But he was getting pushed around. I thought Linval Joseph was getting pushed around a little bit more than we're mm-hmm. used to seeing. 
Um, Christian Quinton, I thought, played really, really well. I think Arjun said that he led the team in run stops, which is great for him. And he had the one uh, tackle for loss on, I think it was like a second and two and ended up being uh, a longer third and five, which was huge. But the run defense needs absolutely needs to be better. Um, and, and Nathan Rivera, shout out to you, man, with the uh, super chat question. Um, talking about Justin Herbert's regression, which kind of did already mention a little bit, but Arjun did point out that Herbert was really freaking good today from a clean pocket, um, which is you know really funny how that works out, right? <laughs> um, I guess one thing that I want to see improved, I was going to say, Tyler kind of hit on it a little bit, but we heard a lot about the Chargers you know, bringing over some influence from Green Bay and doing some RPO looks. Mm. To my recollection, mm. I don't really remember any of them. And maybe that is kind of a uh, sign of how Austin Eckler was healthy or wasn't healthy. Maybe they do a little bit more of that. I just think the rushing attack needs to be a little bit more diverse. Today was a lot of duo, a lot of inside zone, um, which maybe that was the game plan. I don't really know. But I would like to see the rushing attack on offense be a little bit more diverse as well. Yeah, that's a good call there. I think that, like you said, RPOs would be great. I don't – I'm trying to remember how often they were doing that in training camp. I don't know. It's been so long since I've been to training camp. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember how often they were doing that. But they, they should absolutely should. Um, I know that the – sounds like Trey Lance and the 49ers are absolutely killing it with their RPOs right now. Um, they, even though they don't use them all that much. But The 49ers had that one play in the in the last preseason game, which was just, like, beautiful. They did, They did a couple variations off of it. But they use the Lance as, as the counter ball carrier. Yeah. So they pull the two offensive linemen from the right side around, and then mm-hmm. Lance follows the two of them. It was just beautiful. Like Kyle Shanahan is a madman. I know he's yeah. not like considered like this great overall head coach, but mm-hmm. in terms of like play calling genius, Kyle Shanahan is brilliant. And I will I really would love to see them use Herbert more as a runner. They should and like I, I'm not asking for like 10 carries a game, but just I want to see them use him as a threat to run. And he's great with his arm. Obviously, it worked today, but yeah. I, I just think that is another thing that could really keep defenses on it, defenses honest, and allow them to really expand the playbook that much more. Maybe it's coming. Maybe this was a matchup thing. Yeah. Um, but I do really want to see the running attack be more diverse going forward. Yeah. Arjun, is there a stat about how the Washington football team was last year against quarterbacks who bootlegged or RPOs or kept the ball? Because I felt like I'd see it. I know there is because Arjun literally has an answer for everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thank you, Arjun. I'm just curious if they went into it knowing that Washington football team was actually pretty good against those looks. So that's why they took it out of this game plan because there's no reason for them to have not. Yeah. Um, based on what I like, why would you take that out of the game plan? Unless you knew that they're good against that. So Arjun. Let me know. There's your homework assignment. <laughs> All right, guys. Last is Arjun, topic here. Just say, sorry, I was just, just going to say, saying Arjun's name on stream, just your version of like Alexa and Google. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. There we go. All right. Let's, let's wrap this with uh, one stud and one stud from this team. Um, and then we'll, have we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to start us off because I've been very high on this player or higher than most at least um so my dud of the day is jerry tillery um i don't think he even had a single pressure i don't think he had like a tackle there were a couple plays where he was like close and i did see him beat his blocker but 
Uh, it was a very disappointing day for Jerry Tillery. Saw him get a little manhandled in the, in the run game. Uh, so Jerry Tillery is my dud of the day. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's really another place to go other than Jerry Tillery. I think you can make an argument for Nasir Adderley based on how he played, but kind of was injured at some point. Um, also just doesn't uh, make the – just didn't make that play in the ball. But, uh, no, uh, I think it has to be Jerry Tillery, especially because he just had to step up in this game because Justin Jones comes out and there was just that increased yeah. intensity in his performance and just don't think he stepped up to the moment. Uh, obviously, they still win the game because of how the rest of the defense played, but uh, it, it just did not uh, mesh well at all. And uh, not off to the uh, breakout candidate season. No, unfortunately no, not. that was really unfortunate. At some point, I, I think we were texting and I asked Arjun, you know, did he have a did he not have a pressure? Because I was looking at the the tackle score, the 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 box score, you know, not a, not a tackle, not a pass defense. It's like well, maybe he had a yeah. pressure in there. And again, these numbers are subject to change, but he had no pressures too, so no pressures, no tackles. Like that's that's not great. And I I hate to, it's not it's not really confirmation bias, but we're talking about a player that was supposedly phenomenal who got to sit out the whole preseason yeah. and you get no pressures and no <laughs> tackles. And like Christian Covington comes in and has four run stops. Like it was nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, I get that the, I, I, the interior of the Washington football team is pretty good. Like I think, it, I, think they're, I think they're solid, but I wish there were more there. Now I was actually surprised though, to see the defense of uh, tackles play some defensive end during this game. Covington. Yeah. Was that defensive end? Tiller was that defensive end? That was interesting. I will go with a different dud, though. I'm not going <laughs> to pick on Jerry Tillery here. It's not really necessarily his fault in-game. But I'm going to go to Justin Jackson as RB2. I was surprised okay. to see him barely involved in this game. He had a great special teams tackle, which is awesome. And, you know, you could argue that, that Larry Roundtree is the rightful RB2, and potentially that's the case moving forward. You're available. You're healthy. They drafted you, and you're under contract for more years than Jackson. So let him be the RB2, that's fine. It was just very surprising. I didn't expect – I we kind of figured that Roundtree had leapfrog Kelly, especially after that last preseason game. But I didn't yeah. think that Roundtree would just outright leap Jackson here. Right. Jackson wasn't exactly involved in the passing game. I don't think he had a single touch either, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or, uh, excuse me, in the run game, no carries. Maybe he had one. But um, I was really surprised to see him not involved at all, especially because he was the healthy running back. Austin Eckler supposedly was still dealing with issues. Justin Jackson was healthy, well, all things considered, and he was barely involved. So maybe that changes in different game plans. I don't know, but it was very surprising. So he's kind of a dud, not necessarily through any fault of his own, but I was just surprised to see him be RB3 at this point. Yeah, man. I mean, Larry Round, like he's he's off to a really good start. We need to keep seeing some more. Um, I'm not going to take that victory lap, even though I really want to right now. Um, but need to see him string together multiple games because Isn't that he, like your he, third lap for Roundtree, though. Aren't you on like almost at a mile at this point? <laughs> I'm really close to completing the full video lap, I guess you could say for sure. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's, he's like Elliot Kipchoge's like whole marathon at this point with his Larry Roundtree <laughs> take. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, I was just gonna say, I thought it was funny that uh, right. Tyler, I just thought it was funny that Tyler was texting Arjun, Hey, did Jerry Tillery have a pulse? <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh he needs to be better man he really does like i think i don't think the defense needs him to be like great to be great but they need like their ceiling is so much higher if he is hitting ceiling and it's just like we need to 
something next week. Like, give me one pressure at least next week, please. Like, there's no excuse anymore. Everybody around you is healthy. Like, that was my thing was, like, when he was around all the better players last year, we saw the flashes of dominance. Today, everybody's healthy, man. Like, we got to see something going forward. Um, let's shift gears to the studs, and then we'll wrap it up. Alex, who is your biggest stud of the day today? Um, it's a really cliche answer, but I have to go with Justin Herbert. I mean, uh, like yeah. just what he was doing on third down to go 13 for 16, like is just absolutely crazy. And, uh, yeah. they're really, I counted maybe like two passes the whole game that I thought were bad passes, um, and, including that interception, but, you know, going seven drops, uh, you know, the stats, that people will look at where it says, you know, one touchdown, one interception, 313 yards or whatever. Like, I don't think that will fully indicate, uh, you know, just how good he was um, and mm-hmm. just clutch in those moments, putting the ball where exactly where it needed to be. And it felt like he had it skipped a beat. Right. And the commentators were talking about it very early in the game. Like, Hey, they threw the whole boat at him in terms of like learning this new offense uh, and, you know, doing, you know, exactly what he needed to do. It's complicated. Uh, and he just looked like the same old Justin Herbert that we saw last year. So I was really impressed by that. Yeah, we all yeah. wanted him to see be, we all wanted to see him be more efficient and kind of take that next leap as, you know, there is such a negative connotation around the term game manager, but we really wanted to see him be able to take that step in that regard. And he managed the game really, really well today. And then, of course, you know, peppered in his, you know, fantastic arm and the great plays. Um, Arjun has a great stat about his big time throws uh, coming in his video. So stay tuned for that one. I don't want to spoil it for him, uh, but it's great. Uh, Tyler, who is your stud of the day? I'm going to go with a side stud first, and that's Tyrod Taylor. Uh, We all needed that. Yeah, we I mean, Tyrod Taylor and me. Because I was on that train (laughs) all of last year. And listen, did he throttle the one of the worst teams in the league? Sure potentially the worst team in the league, but he did throttle them. He came out, had 330 something yards, two touchdowns, no picks, a very Tyrod Taylor like stat line against, you know, crap defense, but he had a good win. God bless him because he's on the Houston Texans. (laughs) Some of the worst luck I've ever seen, but he he won today. So good for him. But uh, my stud today, if I don't pick the player that I imagine that Steven's going to pick, I'm going to go with Ode Abuji because mm. he might have been the weak link coming into the offseason and in training camp. That's a good call. But when, yeah. but when the lights came on, the dude was really good. Zero pressures allowed against a legitimate interior. It's the best he's done since the last time when he played that exact same interior and played allowed zero pressures. You know, when I posted the, I, did, I watched one game of him. It was against the Washington <laughs> football team because I was looking for a really tough defensive front. He allowed zero pressures that game. So what did he do this game against the same Washington football front? Allowed zero pressures. So, he really silenced a lot of doubters tonight. And if he keeps it up, the Chargers keep him and the three guys to the left of him and maintain a really solid group. Like if he can be solid, if he can have zero pressures a game, that'd be great. But if he can be really solid the rest of the way and the Chargers only have to really answer one question next year and it's just right tackle and maybe some depth, which is kind of already yeah. covered by Hymas anyway, that feels really good. Like that that's really awesome. It's not like, okay, now we have to kick a bougie out. Now we're putting Hymas in. We have to draft another right. guy for depth. No, and that's like, maybe you can keep a bougie there. Hymas is still your depth. Questenberry is still your depth. And you're feeling pretty solid about that interior. And now you can just 
you know, spend money on a free agent right tackle or draft a free agent right tackle really high. Of course, they'll be drafting at 32 now because they're going to win the Super Bowl, of course. <laughs> um, I still don't think it's going to happen, but uh, yeah, after, after today, who knows, right? They're on, they're right. on the right track. So yeah. Ode Abuji, I think he really silenced a lot of people who thought the Heimlitz would eventually take over. Maybe that's still the case. I don't know. But after this game, I'm, I'm glad he did really well because I kind of saw the potential there. We saw him do it before. And so he finally kind of silenced guys for at least another week. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Ode Abuji playing himself into another contract with the Chargers. Like, yeah. that's a great, great, you know, end of season result. And, you know, apparently the Chargers think his best ball is ahead of him. You know, he's never really been a an expected starter heading into his season. So if they're able to maximize him, get him, you know, a two-year, three-year deal next year, and yeah. then you can potentially kick Hymas out to right tackle. Or, it just gives them so, much, so many more options. And so... Um, I think that's spot on. You know, I don't want to be redundant here. Um, so if you want to hear my take on Rashawn Slater being the take of the day, you know, you guys could go back and watch because I feel like I did I addressed that enough already. Again, fantastic debut. Um, expect nothing less. Expect him to be great going forward. Um, but my um, stud of the day is Brandon Staley, man. Like it yep. has felt so different with this team around Brandon Staley and it felt incredibly different today. The preparation was so, so good. You know, you saw this offense come out and be creative and be multiple and the defense really handled their business in terms of the passing attack. And you saw them make in-game adjustments on special teams, which I tweeted about, you know, they, they really mm -hmm. wanted to, you know, make some strides as a special teams unit. And, you know, he talked about just building resilience with this football team. And that's, you know, for all of his faults, like Anthony Lynn was never really able to do that. And today was just different. It really feels like the entire offseason has been different and today felt different. And it's been really, really good to see, you know, Brandon Staley really install some juice into this team. I, we didn't get to see him challenge a play, which would have been fun. Um, <laughs> ended up bringing it back. But, uh, you know, I'm just loving what Brandon Staley is laying down. And I think this team really is on the right track. Um, again, need to see continue through some multiple weeks. They have a very tough schedule coming up. But it really does feel like Brandon Staley is finally the coach that we've all been waiting for for the Chargers. Uh, I just wanted to say Brandon Staley has been great, but I have one more dud and that goes to another coach <laughs> who made his debut. Fuck you, Urban Meyer. Welcome to the league. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. That was so funny. I can't believe like, like I figured that the Texans could win, but like that was bad. Blow them out. Like, blow them blow out. Them. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been great. You guys, thank you so much for being in. Going to have a wonderful week planned for you, uh, previewing the Dallas Cowboys, which is a very, very different game, I imagine, than the 20 to 16 spur that was today. Um, but it's gonna be great, Tyler and Alex. Any final thoughts before we head out today? I have some final thoughts. Um, I was just really impressed to see the Chargers get the win today, they really contributed, and honestly, they played a lot like those guys from Brigham Young. Um, oh, and God. so, you know, they oh, got the win no. much like BYU oh, did yesterday. No. And, uh, you know, no. I just thought that was a really sweet note to end it on, uh, you know, oh. so Steven, 
Uh, there's your Utah anecdote for the day. You're you're gonna be put in timeout for a week. <laughs> we can remove him from the stream, can't we? Oh my gosh. Oh, that was too funny. Oh, Ever compare the charges to BYU again. <laughs> Both want to know this week. Oh, oh my God. Man. Oh, that is true. Utah was trash this week. Yes. Um, Tyler, final thoughts, man. Yeah, I brought up this person, Katia, Vanessa, Pinto. All of you said we would lose this game. Who's all of you? We, I said that they would win. Stevenson it was just win. me. You misspelled Alex. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not really sure who all of you are. Now, all of ESPN and NFL Network, uh, they said that the Washington football team would win. I'll tell you what, like going back to your comment about Brandon Staley, man, I just – it felt like going in – I was so relaxed. Like I, It felt like going into a test you knew you studied yeah. really well for. It just felt like – okay, like we have everything kind of taken care of. Everybody's healthy. We have a good head coach. And they might, I think they're going to win. And then they did. And, you know, they started with a touchdown. They ended, they could have finished the game with a touchdown. And, you know, talk about Staley and his adjustments. Again, often watch what actually happened and rewatch what the adjustments potentially were outside of maybe just playing better. But, you know, Heineke comes in, has that, you know, kind of to finish one drive. Then he has that field goal to end the half, which is it didn't quite on you know, the defense is much most in that kind of the boneheaded penalty. And then he has that touchdown. They score with 11, 20 sec- 11 minutes and 20 seconds left in the third quarter. And then they just, it just, that's it. That's it. 11, 11 minutes and 20 seconds left in the third quarter. And the entire yeah. rest of the way through the fourth quarter, Brandon Staley's defense was like, that was fun. Thanks for showing us what you got. No, you're done. That was it. Like, that was your moment. Congratulations. That's all you're going to do for us the rest of the day. So for, you know, almost 26, 27 minutes of game time, the rest of the way, they didn't score. And that is just so different. I think at any point in this game, the Chargers could have folded over. We were texting it, we're messaging at one point that that Bosa penalty was kind of the turning point. And you yeah. know, against the Broncos, for example, there were turning points where it just turned into a landslide and a loss at the end. Right. But instead, they just kind of kept fighting. And so you see them execute and fight hard in the first quarter. You see Kaiser White with that, that first fumble, I believe, in the fourth quarter. They're just fighting from quarter to quarter. They're as intense as they possibly could be playing pretty solid football and they got a good head coach. So um, it's, it's a warm feeling. I feel good about this game. Like I feel better about the game next week, honestly, than I did this week. Cause I feel like I've seen Brandon Staley stop deck Prescott on the Cowboys before. And so I think he can do it again and it's going to be a great game. Steven, I will see you there. That'll be awesome. Yeah. I can't, wait to see, I can't wait to see everybody there, by the way, I'm going to be at um, Thunder Alley for sure. So if you guys are there, can't wait to meet you guys. Uh, it's gonna be a great game. So I'm just I'm so excited going in the next week. Maybe I'll actually eat something at a game for the first time because I never do. But I'll be so relaxed with this coach <laughs> that I might actually eat something for once. Uh, and it's gonna be. Go ahead, Al. Stadium. If I was at that stadium, I wouldn't need anything. I saw that cheeseburger <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Someone said that the pizza they like made some changes and the pizza's like not that bad. You know, you're kind Maybe of like salt. Taste- yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to eat at Thunder Alley. So if you guys exactly. are tailgating, uh, please let me eat some of your food. Because um, you know I'm, I'm going to be there. Uh, I'm going to try not to talk at all on Saturday. So my voice is like fully ready to be lost on Sunday. Uh, I'm really excited about that game. But, um, you know, I just want to address that last drive because mm-hmm. you, Brandon Staley pointing this out, when you as an offense – just are able to execute whatever you want. And when the defense knows that, hey, it's probably going Keenan Allen right here, and they can't stop that, mm-hmm. that is 
truly demoralizing for a defense yeah. and for a football team and for, you know, a culture. And so the way that this offense and this team bounced back and the way that they just said, Hey, we're going to Keenan Allen here. You can't stop us. We're just going to keep throwing Keenan Allen down your throat. It was just truly, truly great to watch um, the way that Justin Herbert executed this offense, managed the game, targeted Keenan Allen. And listen, giving the best route runner in the league an offense that is heavily based in option routes is just not fair. It's not fair. Like Keenan Allen has all the freedom in the world to basically do what he wants. Um, And it's just going to be amazing to watch. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the super chats. As always, smash that like button. If you're watching the replay of this, comment and let us know what you think. Leave us a rating or a review. And we will see you guys throughout the week.